0: This morning, I, I want to share a message with you this morning that I'm calling influencer. When I use that term influencer, how many of you know what that contemporary meaning is today? Maybe in the context of social media, what an influencer is. Um, some of you raised your hands. We'll, we'll keep talking about that a little bit more then. Top five influencers across all social media platforms right now look like this. Cristiano Ronaldo who's a soccer superstar, if you don't know, um, is the most followed on Instagram and Facebook, but across all platforms, he has 517 million followers. Justin Bieber, I hope I don't have to tell you who that is, has 455 million. Ariana Grande has 437 million followers. Selena Gomez, Taylor Swift, round out the top five. I have to include for my own kids, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson with 342 million is sixth. And I like uh, Lionel, oh gosh, I can't even pronounce it at the moment. Messi, I like Messi, the soccer player, right? He has 328 million. If you take out superstardom, if non-stardom, Social media followers, you may recognize their n- names or you may not. Mr. Beast, anybody heard of Mr. Beast? Kids are raising their hands, excellent. Mr. Beast is out there, he's pretty high. Uh, Marie Candu is a Japanese design consultant um, who's very famous on social media as well. Michelle Fan, uh, a cosmetic giant and YouTuber. Um, PewDiePie, anybody? PewDiePie, raise your hands. Excellent. I see some PewDiePie followers out there. Dude Perfect, Zach King, Jake Paul. Those are some of the leading social media influencers. How many, by raise of hands, how many of you would say you're an influencer? Raise your hand. All right. A couple of you. Not on social media. Thank you for that clarification. Good. Good. I'm in the same boat with you as well. A few of you raised your hands. My goal this morning is I want to change your assessment of your opinion to line up more with God's, and I want to say you absolutely are an influencer. I want to look at some influencers in Scripture this morning, very different stories, very different outcomes, but the different ways God used those lies to be an influence, I want to help see yourself more as God sees you. I want to help see yourself as an influencer, as one with influence. You are, I am, an influencer. Hear me here. You and I have no idea how one conversation, one word of encouragement, or one expression of love might change someone's life. You and I have no idea. Would you agree with me? How one conversation, one word of encouragement, one expression of love can change someone's life. When I look up influencer on Google, serious, these are the definitions in their order, okay? The first one says, a person or a thing that influences another. I think most of us would answer that way. The number two definition on Google, is, um, is the marketing one. A person with the ability to influence potential buyers of a product or service by promoting or recommending the item on social media. What? I would have not, even yesterday, given you that definition. Or prior to this week, certainly, given you the definition of an influencer being that. I know my kids and other young people in the room are looking at me like, what? That's an influencer. Here's another definition. An individual who has the power to affect the purchase decisions of others because of their authority, knowledge, or relationship with their audience. Really, that's what influencer has become. It's a purchasing, a marketing term. This morning, I want to kind of, just for this group in this room and those that may watch this online, I want to re- Find that. I want to take that back this morning, even with scripture, the definition of an influencer, and I want to help convince you even more so that you are an influencer. To do that, let me first say this that influence is not instant. Influence is not instant. I asked our staff this week to sit down with me for just a moment and let's just think through the Bible for a moment, and I wanted to ask them. Who are some of the top characters that come to mind in terms of influence from Scripture? Who are some of the ones that when you think of an influencer in the stories in the, in the Bible, who come to mind and why? Of course, these are some of the most obvious influencers of the Bible. Abraham and Joseph were certainly influencers, weren't they? They also talked about Moses and Joshua the influence of Rahab. She was an influencer. Samuel, because he listened to God. The influence of Samuel, because he had the heart and the attitude of, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. David was such a worshiper of God. Despite fear, even despite temptation or even giving in to temptation, he continued to choose to trust God and to believe God and to worship God, even detached from his circumstances. He was such a worshiper, but an influencer. Esther, they said, had such an open obedience to God for such a time as this. I, I, I still, I'm in a difficult place. Our people are in a difficult place, but I, I still, I just got to obey God. Such an open obedience, and a trust, and a faith in God, and certainly she influenced her people. Mary, the mother of Jesus, had such a pondering they reflected on and shared, such a pondering inside of her that would not dismiss what God had said and was continually wondering, what's God going to do? How's this going to play out? How, what, what's next? God spoke something and he said something. Something existed and she had such a deep ponder and a deep, deepening relationship with God because of it. And John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, lived to point out Jesus as much as he could even to his last days. We had quite a conversation even just at the table about that last even conversation by note, by his disciples, by his followers, even just going to Jesus again and saying, come on, man. Are you really the one we've been looking for? Are you the one I've given my life pointing to? Are you or aren't you? And yet how unsatisfactory the answer must have been even when Jesus said, go tell him what you see. The blind are healed and the dead rise. Oh man, from prison and then a platter on its way to visit him. Listen, influence is not instant. It doesn't happen instantaneously. But no one compares to the ultimate influencer of all time. Are you with me? Jesus. No one compares to the ultimate influencer of all time, Before he lived, after he lived, even when he comes again, when he returns, Jesus is the ultimate. So I want to listen to his words. How about you? In Matthew chapter 5, he's talking about you. And he says, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, he says, You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He's talking about you and I. You are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. That sounds influencer-like, right? Maybe we can rewrite a definition on Google. I don't have enough influence to even submit an idea. (laughs) A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. He's not actually talking about a light. He's talking about a life that's lived, a life that's lived, that's shining light, that is salty and flavorful, that adds to life, that influences not just their life, but gives light to everyone else in the house. You are an influencer because Jesus said so. Jesus was talking about you even then with those words. He was talking about your life here and now and how you are an influencer because of his work in you. Verse 16 finishes with this. It says, in the same way, you let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Those are Jesus' words, his very words describing you and I. In this time, this day, in this age, in my family, in my workplace, in Helena, Montana, at Mount Helena Community Church, in the schools that you're in, in the places of business that you work or that you own, your spheres of influence, Jesus is saying, let your light shine. My next point is that I want to make is true and lasting influence always starts with people. True and lasting influence always starts with people. Influence begins with a relationship with someone else, with another person. It's not fame. It doesn't start with fame. It doesn't start with popularity. It's not your heritage. It's not popularity and it's not a platform. It's not how much influence you have right now. It's starting a relationship. It's having a relationship with somebody. That's where influence begins, it's where it lasts. Lasting influence always starts with people, not a platform. I want to share with you a story from the New Testament this morning about influence, and I think Jesus puts it in there for a number of reasons, but we're going to focus in on some reasons, some things that we can learn from the story in the New Testament about influence along this line of thinking. But I want to tell you it's a highly unlikely story of an influencer. It's, but it is a story about someone who I think owned the title or the responsibility of influencer. I don't know that she even thought it at the time. It's just what happened. And I do think it's why Jesus put it in there. In John chapter 4, you can start turning with me there if you have scripture in front of you or on your app. In John chapter 4, there's a highly unlikely story about an influencer. And to help set that up, I want to tell you that Jesus was on a trip. He was traveling even with his disciples and they had become separated and Jesus wanted to sit down and rest, but it was in an unlikely area or space. There are already foreigners being there. It was in the land of Samaria and amongst the people of the Samaritans and Samaritans and Jews didn't get along well. They were quite different, primarily I'll be honest with you, the Jews had an attitude about the Samaritans. The Jews did not want to associate with Samaritans. Samaritans were half breeds, to use that term loosely. They were a half Jew and half Gentile. And Jews didn't mix. It was almost easier to mix with Gentiles than it was to mix with Jew-Gentile Or Samaritans. And so there's a land. There's an area of Samaria. And they're traveling through it. Which wasn't very convenient in itself. It was highly unlikely in itself. And yet Jesus is going to strike up a conversation. And see what could happen. Jews had the tendency to avoid Samaritans at most cost. Because... They were seen less than dogs. They weren't to interact with them. They had different belief systems. They had different worship systems. They followed different rules, different laws. And they didn't share in much commonality or much unity together. Especially a Samaritan woman. And then putting woman in the mix as well. But especially the two of them alone. Jesus finds himself needing a rest and needing a break and parking it at the well. And he's, as he's sitting at the well this, to rest, this Samaritan woman approaches and Jesus does something even more unusual than being in a foreign land, than being in a different area or space, than speaking to a foreigner that he's not supposed to associate with, than speaking to a woman, than asking her to do something to help him or to serve him. But he does choose to speak to her. And he does something highly unlikely. Given all those things, he shows her dignity. He recognizes her. He acknowledges her. And it's with love that Jesus is speaking from his heart for this woman who it would be unlikely he'd even have a conversation with. Would you pick up with me in verse 9? John chapter four, verse nine, it says, the woman was surprised. You can now tell why. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why, I want to say in the world, are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you, it's with love. He's speaking to her. It's with her best intentions. What's best for her that Jesus is speaking to her, acknowledging her, showing her dignity and God's love. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. There was some sort of certain heart condition even in her that she couldn't hear that in a sarcastic in an enemy sort of way, but she follows it up as well. She's intrigued, but she's confused, saying, sorry, you have no bucket, but how are you going to give me this living water you're talking about? Jesus' reply is saying, anyone who drinks this natural water, if you will, will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. She's noticing he's different, all right? He's different. And she's saying, please, sir, may I have some living water that you're talking about? Jesus says, go and get your husband. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you are right. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands. He's different, all right? And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth, sir, you must be a prophet. The woman, the best she could come up with for his difference was maybe he's a prophet. (laughs) For as different as he's speaking, as different as he's reacting, he's got to be some sort of man of God and he knows a lot about me. I can't really deny it even though I've never met this man and he's probably never ever even been through my village or my area or my hometown, you must be a prophet was the best she could come up with. There wasn't a Jewish man anywhere in the land that would strike up a conversation with this Samaritan woman who was living a life like this. There wasn't a Jewish man... There's most Samaritan men wouldn't strike up a conversation with them, with her. Most Samaritan women wouldn't let their husbands be in the same area, much less a conversation with this woman. Especially because now she's shacked up with somebody. Not just that she's been divorced. It's easier to whisper about that woman than it is to acknowledge. To dignify, to love, or to engage in a conversation with this type of person. It'd be easier to shun her, to slander her, to gossip gossip about her. It'd be easier to give warnings to others oh, you, you gotta stay away from her, you gotta be careful. Yet Jesus doesn't see her as the immoral woman. He's not bringing up any sort of title. Instead, he's seeing her as a miracle waiting to happen. An opportunity that could happen. Knowing that a touch from God, a touch from heaven could change her. Could influence her. Could have an impact upon her. She makes the connection. She says, wait, wait a minute. We've heard there may be a Messiah coming. I've heard there may be a man doing miracles who are helping the blind to see and the lame to walk and who's raising people from the dead. And this person knows quite a bit about me. And he's speaking to me in a different way than most people I'm used to speaking to me, having a conversation with me. Wait, could this be? Could this be the Messiah that my people have prayed for, that I've heard about, that I heard about in that small group and at that Bible study? Could this be that person? Maybe this is the Messiah I've only heard about. So what happened next? In verse 28 of chapter 4, It says, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village. She didn't even ask another question. She took off. The woman left her jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? It says in verse 30, so the people came streaming from the village to see him, to see Jesus, to see this person. Who's the influencer? Wow. The table has turned, has it not? Because the people came streaming from the village to see Jesus. I don't think they wanted to, they had much more interest in, whispering or gossiping or second guessing about the woman they had to go verify for themselves and they used those words later on the chapter closes saying we believe now not just because of what you have said but we've seen with our own eyes what do we see from this story what do we see today Something I want to share with you, one of the most important things is no matter how bad your life is messed up, come on, you are not too far gone for God to touch your life, to have an influence on your life, to turn your life around. To help you understand God created you. God made you to be an influencer. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've come from. It doesn't matter what your past is. God wants to use everyone. You are no exception to what God wants to do in your life, in my life, in the lives of every one of us and every one of those people around us. God wants to have an influence. He wants to touch our lives with his love. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, good. Then we see that the town outcast, the immoral woman, the one everyone has so much interest in gossiping about and whispering about, in warning, in shunning possibly, can actually become an influence. She enthusiastically goes to tell everyone else this may be the one, the least likely preacher in the village. Any one of you sitting here could be a preacher, right? I mean, if this lady can, she think about it for a moment. She's the one announcing to the village, I know he's Jewish, I know he shouldn't be here, but this could be the one you got to come see for yourself. There's no second-guessing. They came streaming. Wow. Wow. God was up to something. The broken woman, the messed-up woman, the immoral woman wasn't limited by any of those titles, any of those labels, any of that past or that history. She immediately becomes the influencer, Her story in the Bible tells us this. You don't have to have all your life together to influence someone to Jesus. You don't have to have all your life together to have an influence. It says in verse 39, many Samaritans, I love that part, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said he told me everything I did. That's one reason. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village, so they heard it, but then they experienced it for themselves, and they said, can you please, do you have any time? Can you push your schedule out? I know you're not supposed to be here. This is not very convenient, but what can't we take care of so you can spend a little bit more time with us? The well experience is not enough. We need a village experience. We want to take you home. We need you to come to town. There's a lot more comfortable places than leaning against the wall of this well or hanging out here. We need a little bit more time with you. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Not ignore, not dismiss and believe, and they did something about it, they believed. How unlikely. The least likely influencer in the village became the primary influencer for Jesus. That's a message for me. That's a message for you, for every single one of us. Show me grace. Can you do it? Perhaps, it could be said the Unitarian woman brought the Unitarian village to believe in Jesus. It's about that far out. Perhaps, you call it, you name the label, you label the group of people, but when she had an encounter like that with Jesus... She took action. She said, i got to share it. Her retelling the story, if you will, I could almost picture it maybe to her grandkids one day. Well, let me tell you how faith started. Let me tell you how my relationship with God started. Let me tell you the most important thing that ever happened in my life happened at this well. And here's how it happened. Skipping ahead. And I ran to the village. I had to tell someone. I had to do something, not because I wanted a platform, not because I wanted fame. I was a disgrace. It's because of him, because of who he was, because he's the truth and the light and the life and the bread of life. And the last point I want to make is influence speaks. She had to open her mouth and share with others. She had to go tell others. She left him and she ran back to the village telling everyone. Because influence speaks. At some point, influence has to gather its words together and speak. In Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, Paul's asking some questions that I think he's still asking us today. They're still relevant today, and these are the questions. It says, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? This wasn't just then, it's still now. It's still now. How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? How will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scripture says, "How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news." Can I swap out a word? "How beautiful are the feet of the influencers who bring the good news of Jesus Christ." How beautiful. How will they hear? How will they believe? unless someone tells them, unless someone leaves and someone shares and someone runs to tell them how will they have opportunity to not just hear but to experience for themselves, not just to believe because of even their words, but it does start and initiate a process and a coming together As we close, I want to return to an earlier point I made saying you are an influencer. You absolutely are an influencer, and Jesus calls you an influencer. You have influence, so let me ask you these questions How are you influencing others? Just take a moment. How are you having an influence on others? How, maybe with God's perspective and His view of you, how can you influence differently? Are you using words? I know there is, and I don't want to cause a big argument. There's that big statement about um, love others, you know, to show the gospel, basically to show the love of Jesus Christ. You need to do it and you need to be it. And when necessary, use words. But if I'm just looking at this story of the Samaritan woman at the well, I'm actually encouraged to use words because it brought about action. And it was a catalyst to many other people believing. How are you influencing others? Are you using words? I want to say maybe it begins today for you speaking to God, maybe even for the first time. Maybe that's a way for you to begin. Maybe it's for you to begin a relationship with God, like this woman at the well, to actually not walk out of here and just kind of forget about the things that you heard, like she could have even done. She could have, she had every opportunity to ignore the Jewish man speaking to her and to think the worst thoughts in line with everything else that she'd heard or that she'd experienced the rest of her life about Jews, about men, about religious people, about the Bible, about the Messiah. She could have ignored Jesus at the well, but she didn't. She engaged him in conversation, and her eyes, her spiritual eyes, were opened to a whole other world she'd never experienced before, and that she, quite honestly, experienced more than anybody else in the village, so much so they had to come running, streaming, it says, to encounter what she had encountered. I want to encourage you, if you have not begun a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you still wonder today who he is and what a relationship with him looks like. There'll be a prayer team up here afterwards and you're more than welcome to visit with them or myself or with maybe someone else that you know here. In the room, I want to encourage you to begin a conversation with God. Engage in a relationship with him. Like the Samaritan woman, you're not going to regret it. You won't regret a relationship with God. Let me ask these this last question who is God wanting you to influence can you think for a moment her severe was a village and there wasn't just one face there was numerous faces that she began I think to think of and it's what led her to run to get back there to tell them she left the conversation almost unfinished <laughs> thinking of them and what they needed and what they could use and what they could experience to come back and have the conversation and to continue it. Who is God wanting you to influence? Who is God wanting you to maybe even have a conversation with, to have a cup of coffee with, to have over for the holidays or a game night or maybe even to begin a small group with? Can we pray together as we close? Father, I pray in in Jesus' mighty name that, God, you would transform us like you've transformed this highly unlikely woman. God, may we have a measure of faith that is transformational, that is actionable, that causes us to believe and to be motivated for others. not be those who just are content with gathering on a Sunday and hearing someone speak or share a message or saying a prayer every so often or even just a prayer of thankfulness. God, all those things are good and we want those, yet there's so much more to you. There's so much more life. There's so much more abundance. You have so much more of a plan for our lives to have an influence and an impact on people. And God, the story of the Samaritan woman is encouraging to me. It is actionable. It's not complicated. It's really quite simple. And so, God, I pray that you would move in us, Holy Spirit. Show us who we can be salt and light to. Show us how we can set our lamp up, how we can reach people, how we can engage them in their life that needs transformation as well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let me finish with a Just a couple of announcements before we release. One, next week when you come, particularly if you come early, you'll have the best choice because the next few weeks between now and Christmas on Sundays in the lobby, we want to encourage your coming together and your fellowshipping and your connecting with one another by providing some treats and beverages out in the lobby. And so the best pick of those will be early before service, that we might have as many of you right now, maybe towards the beginning of service, than we do at the end of service. It will be a first come, first serve. We're not trying to feed you breakfast. We're not going to be feeding you lunch. But there will be some treats and some ways that we can connect and fellowship together beginning next Sunday out in the lobby. So uh, we invite you and encourage you. Listen to your kids when they say, Mom and Dad, we got to get to church. There's treats. I want first pick of donuts. Listen to them and and come join us. There's some special weeks ahead, and we want to enjoy that together, especially on Sunday mornings as well. So uh, you can also consider volunteering and becoming a kids uh, church, kids ministry, uh, team volunteer, but also don't forget to pick up your kids. Have a great week.